Welcome back to another episode here in your podcast. We are we're putting these away. We are getting getting a lot on tape, as they say. So excited to to join you again. It does. It feels like it's been a little while. We shot two or three in a row, but um, had a little break there with Thanksgiving holiday. But now we're back at it. And uh, an interesting topic today, one that's kind of top of mind and is uh, I don't know that it's a hot topic, but a lot of people are definitely talking Absolutely. about it. So uh, if this is your first time joining us, this is the Hearing You podcast uh, with Jeff Mabe, Tiffany Allen. Uh, we are out of High Point, North Carolina with Tried Lifestyle Medicine. And this podcast is all about optimal wellness. So how do we take our mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, all those components of life, and how do we arrange them in such a way to experience optimal wellness. So that's what we're here. That's what we're about. And that is what we hope to help you accomplish. So the, the purpose of this podcast in, in particular is tips, tricks, ideas, knowledge, education around topics pertaining to each one of those areas. So uh, that's what we're here for. And that's what we hope to share. So we're going to talk about insulin resistance today. I'm going to play the part of uh, Joe Blow because I am Joe Blow when it comes to this. What in the world is insulin resistance? Where do we start with that? So you don't want me to ask you the questions today, huh? Uh, this this will be, I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to hand it off. So uh, absolutely. I think the major thing for me is learning what are the things that we see a lot in practice? What are those real things? Like there's a lot of different things we can talk about, but this one is major. Um, and the reason I think I'm so passionate about this one is the epidemic of diabetes in our area in the United States is just massive and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And unfortunately, our traditional healthcare system, again, they're great, but they are focused on when there's a problem not prevention coming in, coming in once, once it is an issue, that's right. That's when it typically, that's when our typical uh, right. healthcare picks up. Is that that's right? I'm hearing that, that right. Is absolutely okay. right. So a lot of times it is not caught until it is full blown diabetes or maybe that pre and you'll hear somebody say, well, I'm just borderline. Mm -hmm. That's a significant problem. And so when I hear that, it's like, let's back up and let's educate. Why is that an issue? Because you know why it's an issue is that when you're borderline or if it's called even before when it's in that insulin resistance stage, you can actually reverse it and prevent it. Hmm. The further it goes along, the harder it is to correct with just lifestyle. Mm. then you have to start getting into those other things in the realm of medication. While it's not bad, um, we don't want to go that way unless we have to, mm -hmm. right? So you use the term, you use pre-diabetes. Mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? There's actually controversy over that word. Okay. okay? So, so, but I will say like there's a level of diabetes once you're insulin, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. We'll get more into detail with that. But once your lab levels reach a certain point, you're considered diabetic. Okay. okay. But there is a zone in there that is more of that insulin resistance pre-diabetes. That's like, Hey, this is a warning sign that you're heading this direction. So, um, so basically what it is is when those markers start to lean in a, in a different direction, but I want to get into that in more detail Perfect. in a little bit. Is that Perfect. Good? Yeah, good. absolutely. I think the major thing with going through and saying, Hey, let's catch this before it's a problem. Let's catch it in a place that we can reverse it with lifestyle. Mm. And it's not be something that we're having to look at adding on medications and it becomes a real big problem. 
Okay. So where, where does this start for most people? Um, in terms of kind of the early stage, we'll, we'll take it through, um, you know, in, in detail as, as we talked about, but where does it start for most folks? I would say that a lot of times where this, where the insulin resistance starts is there can be some genetics that play into it. There can also be obviously lifestyle factors, but here's the thing that people don't realize. It's not always what you're doing right now. It can be things that you did years ago. Mm. Like back in those days when I would wake up and eat Pop-Tarts for breakfast. <laughs> Might have been creating more problems than I realized. Okay. All okay. right. Let's let's okay. be really careful with that. Because okay. uh, Pop-Tarts are delicious. <laughs> they are. So are there any... They're not good Are there any you. other... Uh, <laughs> Any, any other options out there <laughs> that we could talk about in, in a negative light? So, so not, not necessarily in the moment, right? but what, what you've done in your what past, you've done in, in, right. in past years. That's okay. right. And I think that's hard for people to grasp because once I say, Hey, you know, you've got some signs of insulin resistance going on. Well, I've, but I've been eating great. I'm doing great. Okay, but let's go back and let's dive into what were you doing when you were in your 20s? Mm. What were you doing when you were in your 30s? It depended upon their age, right? Okay. Um, and we're seeing insulin resistance starting even in our in, even in our kids now. Wow. So it is a big, big problem. So One, one of the things I uh, think about a lot in fitness, and this is more related to aesthetics, but, you know, you're always kind of like 30 days away from whatever you're doing today. And, you know, I, I've thought about that a lot, but th- it's interesting to hear you say, because I did not think of it that way, honestly, in terms of it being a cumulative thing from years prior. Right. Um, you know, we tend to just think, well, no, I, I've, I've done good for the last 30, 60 days or, you know, six months, a year. Um, but you're saying it can be much, much longer it than can. that. But don't feel defeated in that. No, either, no. Because you can make significant changes. I don't think we can go back that's, and change the past. I'm right. not sure that's yet. Right. You know, there's some that's good movies right. out there. There are but, some good things. Um, but. You're absolutely right. No need, no need in revisiting that. I think the key there is when we talk about, you know, our children. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we talk about ourselves, like the sooner we start, the sooner we're aware, right. the more equipped we That's are. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. And just because you hear someone, I have patients, sometimes that'll say comments like, well, my dad was diabetic, so I'm sure I'll end up having that. And we, we really have to change the mindset in that mm-hmm. um, because that's not true. Yes, our genetics can play against us, but there are a lot of things that we can do to help prevent, even yeah. if it's in our history. Yeah. So, and especially with family. No, that's a, uh, that's that's great news. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Certainly, it's it's not going to hurt us. And I, I think too, and I don't want to get us down a rabbit trail, but it, it's top of mind. So I, you know me, I have a hard time holding it back. Um, I think so many times we we talk about genetics, but we don't talk about the social aspect of exposure and what we were brought up in. And um, you know, thankfully, neither, neither of my parents are diabetics. But guess what? I ate for breakfast growing up. When, when I had it, Pop-tarts. Pop-Tarts and cereal, you know, and, and the quick grab and go items. And so it was one of those things where had I not been very serious about my health through my twenties and, and, and thirties, uh, very, very much could have led down that path, regardless of what maybe my genetics. Right. So it is, it's, it's very important to understand that social and kind of that, mm-hmm. that, uh, familial type thing that we're brought up in and understanding how it affects us long-term and making mm-hmm. sure that most importantly, we don't re- repeat that cycle. That's right. Right. That's right. So. That's right. Absolutely. And and I think it's important we educate our kids 
but there's only so much when they're a certain age Mm -hmm. that you can do to fight society. They're going to have to want it at some point. Right. And so once they get to that place where they're asking questions and you're educating, you are in a better place. Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. It's just going towards awareness. Awareness is that first step. That's right. Yeah. First step. Absolutely. Okay. So we've gone through kind of how the past may shape things. Mm -hmm. Um, What what are we looking at next? I would like to talk about what is insulin. Okay. Okay. Because I think there's a lot of people that don't really understand what it is. So, but what it is, is it's a hormone that is secreted from the pancreas. Okay. And what happens is when you eat to make this, I'm going to make this very simple today. We will I would, go, I would appreciate that. I know our listeners probably will grasp it better than I would. So yes. just speak let's it like you would go, normally speak it to me and that's it. Let's they'll just get it. Go simple. And then at some given point in the future, we'll dive in a little bit more. But the way that I like to think about this is when you eat, um, especially like carbohydrates, okay, that can be simple carbs, which is more of your processed things or your complex carbs, which are, um, think about sweet potatoes and more of that direction. Okay. Mm-hmm. But when you eat a carbohydrate, your glucose, which is your blood sugar increases. Okay. Well, our body knows that if your blood sugar increases to a certain point, that that is detrimental to your organs. Okay. So your body immediately says, wait a minute, glucose is getting higher. I've got to counteract that and secrete some insulin. Okay. So then your body secretes the insulin, brings that glucose back down nicely and body's happy again. Okay. Is that simple? Does that make sense? Uh, So far, I'm with you. I'm with you so far. The only thing, let's go back just one quick second. Okay. So Let's give some examples of simple carbohydrates. So Pop-Tarts, top oh, of the yeah. list, oh, yeah. oh, right? Yeah. Sugary snacks. Sugary snacks, sugary drinks um, or something else. Yep. So sodas, juices, things like that, because even juice will have a lot of simple carbs added in. Yes. 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 So simple carbs, a few more examples there. Hopefully that gives you a little more clarity around mm-hmm. what that is. And then complex, we're talking sweet potatoes, regular potatoes. Your root we're vegetables. talking about uh, so, some vegetables uh, that, mm-hmm. that could be considered complex carbs. So uh, just a, a, a pretty fine line there between the two. Like most things you got, you know, there's everywhere in between. But just want to make sure everybody's clear on what simple versus complex yeah. is in, in, in how they eat and what they Right. Consume. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, But but again, the biggest thing is making sure that your body is staying level. What happens is, let's say you eat Pop-Tarts. Okay. And what happens is your blood sugar is going to go even higher because that is a simple carb. It's hitting the blood sugar. I mean, that blood sugar, it's hitting the bloodstream quickly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's breaking down quickly. There's no fiber in it. And then before you know it, your blood sugar's up here. So your body is having to secrete a lot of insulin to get that back down to where it needs to be. Whereas if you eat a sweet potato, it's going to go up more slowly with the fiber. Then it doesn't take as much insulin to get that down. Okay. So let's say that you have Pop-Tarts for breakfast. Then at um, midday, you have a muffin. For lunch, you have a sandwich. And then for dinner, maybe you go eat... Mexican and you have chips and you have, um, tortillas, right? What rice, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you have just loaded up on all of those carbs throughout the day. Your body is, I mean, your pancreas is just working as hard as it can go. I use the example with patients a lot. Think about your pancreas like a motor. Okay. So like a car motor. So if you are constantly running and going and using your car all the time, 
that motor's having to work hard, right? So same thing with the pancreas. If you're constantly eating carbs, especially those simple carbs, it is having to work hard, hard, hard. Well, eventually, Jeff, you know this answer. What happens when you run a car for a long time? What happens? Uh, it eventually cuts off at stoplights. That's Correct. a whole different story. We, won't, we won't go there, but Correct. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that that's the thing that you have to remember. The harder you work your pancreas, the less that it's going to work for you long-term. So we've got to really take care of that. Okay. Um, so over time you work it, you work it, you work it. And then it's like, wait a minute, I'm tired. I am tired. So it's having to secrete more and more and more insulin to get those numbers down to where they need to be. Does that make sense? It does. It does to me. Um, and hopefully it does to everybody listening as well. Um, again, I don't, I don't want to get us off track. Let's talk about glucose high low mm -hmm. kind of where it falls and what the effects are mm -hmm. um so what does it mean so we're our bodies is trying to balance that it's trying to stay in, in in homeostasis too high too low what are the consequences what are the things that kind of go along with that right right okay so if you are and and i think the other thing to talk about at this point which would be good low blood sugar, hypoglycemia. We hear people say, well, I'm hypoglycemic. Now, sometimes that's just, that's just their body, but sometimes it's a warning sign for that. They're having insulin issues. Mm. Okay. And so a lot of times what that means, they may have eaten um, and had to eat like those simple carbs, body secretes a lot of insulin. And before you know it, it's dropped them really quick and then they feel bad. Okay. Mm. So that can be a sign of, wait a minute, we've got some insulin issues going on. So I always look, if somebody says they're hypoglycemic, I take a step back and say, okay, why is there something else underlying like insulin resistance? Okay. But when the blood sugar is, you know, getting too high and then your body's secreting insulin and then you're going too low, you're basically on a roller coaster all day long. One of the major things is just feeling off and tired and not feeling good with that. I mean, you can have afternoon sleepiness or maybe even sleepiness after meals, after you eat. And that is a big warning sign that something's off. Okay. Um, the other thing that you can have is sometimes people actually have shakiness and they feel, they feel off that direction. Um, but nine times out of 10 with insulin resistance, people don't know it. Hmm. Nine times out of 10, they don't know that they're having problems. Wow. So, so how, how do we, how do we figure that out? Mm -hmm. So they're coming in and some of the things they tell me, I can't lose weight. I'm doing everything I know to do, but I can't lose weight. Or I am constantly craving carbs and sugars. Or I never feel full. I feel like I constantly have to eat. Those are more of the things that I see that lead me to think, wait a minute, we may have another problem going on. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's very, very interesting. Uh, you know, coming off of Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, eight. A couple more sugary things that I'm that I may want to, and I I just told Aaron I believe it was yesterday. It's amazing to me how I don't feel full when I don't get enough protein. Correct. When I'm eating, you know, That's when I right. when I've put sugar in and or, uh, you know consumed it uh, via a couple meals, it's amazing how quickly it turns into just constant hunger. Mm -hmm. um, so that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that mm -hmm. up because it's it's something that if we're not careful, we live in that every day. That's right. And, and then we're trying to figure out, well, I'm hungry, mm -hmm. I'm hungry, and I can't lose weight. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's like, well, what, mm -hmm. what gives here? Right. And then it's incredibly frustrating to patients. Mm. 
understandably. And so we'll get into talking about that a little bit more as we talk about treatment and what to do about it. But when I have someone that comes in and they're, they're saying, I can't, I am never full. I am always hungry. I am craving these things and I can't lose weight. They don't, they're not asking to feel that way. No. We just have to figure out how do we reset that. And in some patients, depending upon how severe the insulin resistance is, depends on what we have to do for treatment. Okay. So any, anything else you want to add there on kind of uh, how they may feel, what they may experience uh, on the front end of this? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is realizing you may not feel anything. Second thing is what we just talked about. As it gets more severe, you may have more problems like brain fog, irritability, um, like I said, like shakiness, headaches, dizziness, um, things like that mm -hmm. as it gets on. Now, we're not talking, let me be clear, we are not talking about diabetes. We are talking about insulin resistance, okay? Yes. So there is a whole nother ball game that you would have with diabetes. But specifically today, we're talking about insulin resistance. Yeah, yeah. And we will we will certainly get more into that uh, in, in the diabetes realm in future, right. future episodes. But uh, yeah, definitely today we want to stick to stick to the insulin resistance. So may or may not know. How do how do we know? Like what's our process when somebody comes in? What what steps do we take to start figuring this out? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I'm gonna talk to the patient, figure out, okay, how are you feeling? What are the things? And I will ask them specific questions. Do you feel full? Do you have cravings? We talk through all of that, but then we have to look at more diagnostic information, which can be tricky. So I want to explain that a little bit. So basically, when you go into your primary care, most of the time, you are just getting a fasting glucose, which is your blood sugar at that moment in time. Okay. Mm. So what does this look like? Knowing that that can, it can fluctuate. I mean, it just depends on the day sometimes, depending upon what's been going on. Um, so a lot of times all you're getting is that glucose. Some people may have had an A1C. Well, an A1C is looking at the past three months of your blood sugar. Okay. And so leveling that, it gives us a readout of the number and an average. The problem with that is let's say that you're someone that's having highs and lows. Well, where does highs and lows equal? In the middle. In the middle. So we don't know. Are they running high and then dropping? Because, you know, again, with insulin resistance, one of the signs that we see is that that blood sugar goes up high, insulin secreted too much a lot of times and drops them back down. Okay. So then you're getting this equal A1C that looks normal. So that's a false reassurance to a lot of people that everything's okay. Hmm. So I'll have people come in and say, well, my A1C is normal. My glucose is normal, but they still have all the signs of insulin resistance because they're really, they're great, great markers, but it gives us pieces. Again, it goes back to having to look at a full picture. There's just pieces. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. okay. So it's more or less a snapshot at a point in time versus really getting the information, the data on how things correct. flow throughout a period of time, whatever it may be. Right. That's correct. Okay. And then realizing there's good and bad to like the A1C because it can, it can vary. Now on the, on the positive side, can we tell anything from those, from those A1Cs, from the, the fasting oh, glucose? Absolutely. So, so let's say that they are, let me actually, let me talk about fasting insulin for just perfect. a minute and then we'll come back to that. 
Fasting insulin is something that we check um, here. So on, not on everyone, because I don't know that everyone needs it. Actually, it's probably not fair. Everyone probably does need it, but we don't check it on everyone. I base it off of symptoms. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's something we need to consider adding. There, in, right? there we go. To add that yep. in. But fasting insulin, again, it's a point in time. It's still a point in time, but it gives you a good readout to what that insulin looks like. So the way that I look at it, insulin, a lot of times the first thing you're going to see off is going to be that fasting insulin. Okay. Yeah. Then you see, okay, wait a minute, that glucose, the fasting glucose may be running a little bit higher than it should be. Then you see the A1C that's out of whack. That's kind of the, the progression that I typically see. Okay? okay. But with the fasting insulin, there's a lot of um, research shows out there that's showing around five to seven or eight is where you should be on that number. Um, a lot of people do run quite a bit higher than that. Glucose to be optimal, your fasting glu glucose should be less than 85. You're not considered diabetic until you're 126. But our current guidelines uh, from the traditional world says if you're 100 to 126, you're considered, again, that pre-diabetic insulin resistance what my research shows is the closer we can get to that 85, the better we are. Okay. okay? Um, and then as far as an A1C, again, traditional models, if you were 6.5 or higher, you were considered diabetic. If you are 5.7 to 6.4, you're in that pre-range. But we know that really and truly, if you can be more around that 4.7, 4 4.8 to 5.3, you're more optimal. So okay. those are the ranges that we try to go off of. Good. So that that's good to know and important to know. So if you are, you know, in your uh, with your provider and you're getting these results, we we can and they they can. I'm not saying we. I'm not a practitioner, but um, <laughs> they can understand what's going on uh, without necessarily having to have the average, right? That's so right. it can give us a, a glimpse into what's going on there mm -hmm. based on those one point in time test. Right. All right. So good to know. Yes. Um, you know, so if, if you're having those or you've had those, just understand like uh, what we're going to talk about with the averages and in, in, in more in more detail here in a second is, is great. And that's how we uh, determine things. But understand that uh, if you're getting that test with your traditional provider, it's not not necessarily a bad thing. It's not that you're, you know, it's just one one piece of the puzzle and can give you a, a snapshot of what's going on. So that's it. I think that every piece that we can add in gives us more information. Yeah. So we we have a joke around here. Uh, everybody knows that I love data, and um, a lot of times it's more in the business sense. And so it's one of those things where I'm always going to push for more data when I can get it. And so that's where I think the idea of the, the averages and really getting a bigger picture of what's going on is important. So let's talk, let's talk more about that and what that looks like. Um, and, and what folks can, how they can get a better determination versus just that one point in time. Right. Testing. Right. And I think there's a lot of things here that we can add into. So there's, um, Actually, believe it or not, cholesterol can play into it. So the triglyceride numbers, there's particle size numbers that can play into it. There's different um, peptides that you can check to see if there's a problem with insulin resistance. We can go really deep on this and we won't. OK, yep. um, but just know that, you know, our patients that are coming in, we can do way more in-depth testing to see what it looks like. And then there's different formulas that you can plug into to see, OK, what is the likelihood that this is insulin resistance? So we can definitely do that. Um, so I think we have to be aware 
that if you're having the symptoms that we talked about, constantly hungry, those cravings, not being able to lose weight, that more in-depth testing needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Now, would that be like a continuous glucose monitor or something like that? Is that a, is that a tool? Yeah. Yeah. That's another, let's talk about that real quickly and what that means. That is another thing that we do because basically with that continual blood glucose monitor, you're seeing what your blood sugar is doing all the time. And so it's giving you constant readouts of what that looks like. And so instead of guessing, okay, are we high? Are we low? Where are we? Because a lot of times we all want to base it off how we feel. We can't always do that. We don't, we don't know. Is this a high? Is this a low? Is this a normal? But it also tells us like, for instance, Jeff, if you go and you eat a pop tart, normally speaking, your blood sugar is going to go up and spike up and then drop back down. Okay. Whereas if you go and you're eating something with more protein, so let's say you have a steak and half a sweet potato, it's going to go up much slower and then it's going to come down much slower instead of that spike that gives you the symptoms. Okay? Mm-hmm. But the monitor can tell us exactly what's happening and how you're responding to those foods. So it is a great way to see, because again, if we talk about the A1C that's averaging things out and you're somebody that's running high and low and it averages to normal, we really don't know what's happening. So that continual blood glucose monitor gives you an exact readout of, okay, you can see, okay, well, I just ate. Okay. I'm two hours later. What did my body do? It's really neat. Yeah, no, that that's cool. I've not used one. Um, but I, I know folks that have, and I also know folks that may or may not have eaten a Snickers just to see just what, see. what happened, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it's all for science. It's all for science. Right. I might be guilty of when I wore one, just trying it out. You got to see, see. you've got to know your body, yes. right? Yes. You, you got to know your body. So no, that's <laughs> great. So where do we take it from here? We've talked about, uh, symptoms or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about some of the diagnostic tools and some of the tests that are run to figure out, uh, some of the starting points for getting a better understanding here. What's next? I think now we have to talk about what do we do about it? What's the treatment? And here, what we really focus on, of course, is lifestyle. But I always take a three-tiered approach with pretty much everything. And that's going to be lifestyle, what we can do to make changes there. There's supplements. And then last resort is medications. So I always like to say, here's where we start, but there is a progression if we need to. Because again, there's varying degrees with every every diagnosis out there, but especially insulin resistance. When it gets to a certain point, it may be that lifestyles, it's, it's not cutting it for some reason. And we have to step up to different things. And unfortunately, that happens sometimes. Let's, let's talk briefly about that because, you know, tried lifestyle medicine. That's in our name. Let's talk more about that approach because I think what most people are used to experiencing is they go in, get the test, mm-hmm. the test shows some data. Typically, it's the medication. That's right. that's the first step. And then it's because there's just not enough time. Correct. And so it's and, and you've you've lived in this world and that's I know right. you've, you've felt the constraints there. Um, always want to be clear. We're not talking bad and Absolutely. we never will about any other uh, healthcare provider that's out right. there. They're all doing the best they can. That's right. Um, it, it's the structure and the nature of things. But let's talk about just briefly the lifestyle portion. Why do we lead with that? Why is that so important? Well, a lot of times we find that that's all it takes. You don't need the medications to counteract things. You really can make lifestyle changes that help. And then you are, guess what the side effects from lifestyle changes are? Well, now you may have some sore muscles sometimes. Okay? Uh-oh. You might We're have not that. Ta- okay. You might have that. But I, I'm going to wait and hear what you're. But realistically, there's not side effects to making positive changes. 
Whereas if you start into supplements, you have a little, a greater chance of having side effects, but then medications, even more of a, of a risk of having side effects. Mm -hmm. Again, not speaking negatively of medications. I think there's a time and a place for those, but it comes with more risk. So we always want to start with lifestyle. And we also know that here we start with lifestyle because we've got to make those changes because supplements and medications are band-aids in some situations. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you've not made the changes lifestyle wise and you start a supplement, it's not going to do a whole lot unless you're pairing it with the lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. Then with medications, well, you're just going to keep needing more and more and more if you're not making the lifestyle changes. So it's always important that we start there. Yeah. Does that answer See, your question? It, it does. It does. So in, in essence, we're just we're covering over what yes. what may be an issue with medicine. It fixes it, and I'm giving the quotes if you're listening to this, um, but it fixes it in the sense of better results on your test. Right. Maybe you do. Maybe you do feel better. Right. But it's not addressing what may have caused it. That's what right. may be continuing to cause it, and and that sort of thing. Right. So. Right. Absolutely. Um, but I also want to be very sensitive to the fact that I have had a lot of patients with insulin resistance do all the lifestyle things, but because it has progressed so far, they're truly, they struggle unless we get them on something. Yeah. And so the beauty is if we're, if we're doing all these things or they come in and they're saying, I'm frustrated, I've done all these things. It's still not working. The worst thing that I could do is to look at them and say, well, just try harder. Yeah. <laughs> have, you, have you thought about working harder? <laughs> right. Because yeah. there are, that's very defeating. And there are people out there that are working their tails off from a lifestyle perspective, but because it has progressed to a certain level, they're not seeing progress. Well, what happens if you're working your tail off and you're not seeing progress? What happens? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Yep. And then you give up. And you're like, I'm just not going to feel good. And it is what it is. That is the worst thing that can happen when we give up on our on our bodies and how we're feeling. Absolutely. No. And that's where I, I think it's so important. And you, and you said it, but it's lifestyle, then supplements, then medication. Yes, we start with lifestyle, right. but we also are going to meet that person where they're at. And, uh, you know, if, if you're listening, just understanding that, it's a whatever it takes and, and whatever gets you well and, and allows you to experience that maximum wellness. That's the most important thing. I think sometimes we get so caught up in being, uh, and, and this is a whole different topic, but you know, um, uh, organic and natural and, and okay. everything. And that is wonderful. Is. That is where it certainly should start and continue. But just understanding that sometimes we can only go so far, That's right. you know, if I injure my shoulder, I can eat all the right things and I can do, but sometimes I may need a surgery. That's right. And so it's just being aware that that is an option and there's, it's nothing to feel guilt or shame about. That was what I was getting ready to say. Yep. There is a big judgmental piece to having to use medications for, especially with this. Um, and so we have to realize that there's nothing to be shameful about it. You know what it's, and it, again, it's not always something that's happening at this moment. It could have been years ago, but if we don't correct it, they're going to end up with having major chronic disease because we know that your blood sugar being high leads to inflammation, which leads to chronic disease, diabetes, example, heart disease. There's all kinds of inflammatory conditions out there that can come from your blood sugar being too high. So it's important that we treat this just like anything else. 
And I wish that our um, insurance could be on board with that. Mm. But unfortunately, they're not. So we have to back up a little bit and even think through that because, you know, a lot of the medications that are helpful for this is not covered by insurance. Mm. So we have to figure out, um, you know, just, just ways that we have to, what we have to do with that. Mm. So, um, but thinking about lifestyle. Yep. One of the biggest things is that if, you know, really a lot of times when we step back and we look and we have people journal how they're eating, a lot of times we are getting more carbs than we realize. We think, oh, we're not doing that bad. But when you really put it down and now we have fancy apps and things that mm -hmm. can help us and our new system is allowing that too. But it's more than you think. They they slip in there uh -huh. and they add up quickly. Uh-huh, they do. Yeah. They yeah. do. They do. So it's important to realize that protein is what helps keep us full. So we have to be very mindful that we're getting a, a good amount of protein, depending upon what your body needs, that amount. Healthy fats can also help. And then fiber is huge. So we're, we're making sure first that we're working through as far as diet goes, um, all of those things and limiting the simple carbs and adding more of those complex carbs in versus the simple, but we still have to be careful with those. You can't eat a sweet potato for every single meal. Yeah. Uh, we, again, it has to be protein first. How, so what, what are a few things we can think about with protein? Um, I know an infinite amount of, of ladies, especially that really struggle getting enough protein. I know back in the gym days, we'd make a prescription and it was always a battle. Um, even, even for men as well, what are right. some things we can do protein wise to, to help get towards that optimal amount? You know, a lot of times I think you do have to add in, um, you know, some protein shakes to get mm -hmm. your protein needs met. Um, but every time you eat even a snack, if you're doing hard boiled eggs or, um, nuts, things like that. And of course meat. I mean, I will tell you, I'm one of those women that I do not like to eat a lot of meat. I just don't. So I have to find other ways to get protein in. And sometimes that could be depending upon there's people that need all kinds of different plants, but you have Greek yogurt that has good protein in it. Um, so for me, a lot of times it'll be hard-boiled eggs, Greek yogurt, um, nuts, and then, of course, you know, chicken, if I add that in. Um, but I will tell you, I can't, I cannot get my protein needs met without adding in a shake. Yeah, yeah. And that's a great way. You can do 20 to 50 if you do Correct. a couple servings. Um, and, and there's a lot of good options out there. There's whey protein. If you have issues with whey, you, uh, there's a lot of good um, uh, plant-based proteins right. out there. Um, so there are a ton of options. One of the things I'll say is be very mindful of protein bars because a lot of protein bars, in order to make them taste good, they've they've added stuff. We'll just yeah. call it stuff. Uh, so just be very mindful. And and they also understand that if they put protein on the label, people will buy it thinking it's protein. And it could be, you know, 40, 50, 60 grams of carbohydrates Correct. with 15, 20 grams of added sugar and like 10 grams of protein. So just be very mindful. Make sure you're looking at those labels to understand, okay, is this a protein or is it not? And one of the things that I think really helped me and helped folks in the, back in the gym days um, is think of, and this was an RP Strength. I can't take credit for this. There's a group called RP Strength out there. But they said, just think of food 
as one particular thing. So whether it be carbohydrate, whether it be protein or whether it be fats, and that way you're really maximizing each one when you're eating it. So if you're eating a, I give that as an example as a protein bar. If you're eating a protein bar and it's 10 to 15 grams, but then there's 40 or 50 grams of carbs, that's not protein, that's carbohydrate. Um, And so just being aware of what, what am I eating and what is the vast majority of the the nutritional, uh, the macronutrients? What is the, the majority of it? And treat it as such. And I think, Jeff, I don't know how you feel about this, but for, I have found for patients, if I can get them to journal and add into an app or, or at least write it down, we really can analyze better what they're truly getting. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to just you, look at it. It, it is really it without, hard to eyeball. Without logging it, right? Yeah. And so I find that if I can get patients to log for two to four weeks, because we're creatures of habit, we do a lot of the thing, same things. Um, mm-hmm. If you can log for two to four weeks and really get a good handle on what you're doing and how much protein that is, and just like the bar, it would be caught if you were logging it. Yep. Right. But if you're not and you're just focused on that protein number, you may not realize how high the carbs are. Yeah. Yep. And it's going to going to bump you up. Mm-hmm. And we'll do uh, what, we'll, you know, we'll probably do this with Jordan, but we'll do another segment kind of on how to uh, break down your plate, how to look at the different things so that you can if you've never if the idea of tracking this is overwhelming to you, uh, we'll provide a lot of tools and tips on how to do that simply. And, and not get caught in the weeds. I know, uh, you know, my blessed wife, uh, you know, she's like, I don't know this measuring and this weighing and this, that, and the other. And um, so it's it's making it as simple as you possibly right. can so that you can, in fact, do right. it. Right, So And realizing, again, everybody's at different places with their time and what they can invest into doing that. So we try to meet people where they are. It may be looking at a plate. It may be counting macros and, and weighing things. It just depends, right? Mm-hmm. It depends on the person and what they need. Absolutely. Absolutely. What else do we need to talk about there in terms of we've we've talked about lifestyle, we've talked about nutrition, yes. we've talked about being aware, yes. kind of what's going in, what other things to, and considerations do we need to... So still talking about lifestyle, we have to make sure we are moving, exercising. Muscle will burn glucose faster than fat. Okay. So again, let's go back to, we've got to be doing strength strength training. Resistance training. Resistance training. It is incredibly important. I cannot stress it enough. I think that we don't put enough emphasis on the importance of our muscle and our lifestyle. Not everybody, of course, but a lot of people are sedentary. They're sitting at desk. We are more sedentary than we've ever been. So it's important that we're counteracting that and we're doing something for our body and build, continuing to work on building those muscles. So I'm always going to recommend at least three days a week of resistance training. Okay. So that is incredibly important with that. Um, you know, the other thing would be chronic stress because not, I know we did an episode on that, but chronic stress increases cortisol levels, cortisol levels, then increase glucose. And here we go. Okay. So I think it's important to realize, yes, it is what you're eating. Yes. It is how you're working out, but stress also plays into it. Mm-hmm. So being mindful of that and making sure you've got good techniques in there to, to help with that. Um, adequate sleep is another thing, of course. Um, and then, you know, maintaining a healthy weight, but again, going back to if insulin resistance is the issue, 
sometimes that can be that can feel really heavy to do that. Mm-hmm. So we have to have to talk through all of these things, right? So I think that's the main thing with lifestyle is just working through all of those pieces that we always talk about. Yep. Yep. It is really what it comes back to mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And and ideally we'll we'll make it as simple as possible. Um, make it as simple as possible for you in in trying to achieve these changes uh, so so that you can. Uh, you know, I, I think we all we're all digging for the secret, right? right? What are the secret of the secrets? And we all know, you know, eat less sugar, move a little bit, um, meditate, right? right, right. D- detach a little right, bit if you right. need to. Um, I think these things are are so important. What else to kind of close the book on insulin resistance? So I think the next thing to remember is there are supplements out there. I really don't want to get into the specifics of all the supplements because there's a lot of different ones, but realizing that if you're trying all these lifestyle things, we may then recommend, and it's not, it's not getting to you to where you feel like you need to be. We may then recommend a supplement or two to add in that can help. Okay. But again, it's not, it's just, it's just a piece of it. It's not going to fix the whole problem. Then if we start thinking about, okay, so we've added in, we've done lifestyle changes, we've added in supplements, still not seeing a whole lot of change. Then we have to start thinking about medications. There are some really great medications out there for insulin resistance. If you've tried all these other things and it's not helping. Again, I know this can be controversial. There's some people that would say you don't need that, but I can tell you from practice and from dealing and working with people that have struggled with this, there are truly situations where they cannot because the insulin resistance has gotten so severe that they're just not able to budget enough with just the lifestyle and they need help to get what I call over the hump. And then they can come back and continue to do those lifestyle things. I think the worst thing we can do for people is just to put people on medicine. Okay. So we work with them lifestyle. They're not making the change. If, If they're not making the progress, then we come in and add medication, but we continue to do it with lifestyle because they're not going to be on medication forever. And then if they go off the medication and they're feeling better and they're getting a handle on this, but they've not made those other changes, then it doesn't help. So a lot of times if we can start the medication, they start to feel better. They feel more like eating in a different way. The cravings are less, they're more controlled, um, and they're not constantly hungry, then it really does help. And there's lots of different classes of medications out there. Um, I don't think we'll get into that today, but there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of new and upcoming medications that can really help. Again, I think we have to say we are not against medications here. There is a time and a place for them. Yeah. And they really can be beneficial for insulin resistance, but we're not going to start there. What are the things? I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay, here, here we go. What are the things? Because we, we want to treat the whole world, right. right? It's impossible right? for us to handle. What are the things that folks that may listen to this that can't get here, right, that, that, that may not be able to come see us, what are the things that they should ask their provider in this process um, to, to gain a better understanding? What are some questions, some ideas that they can kind of put back um, if maybe they've been put on medication or maybe they're considering it or, or that sort of thing? What are, what are a couple questions, a couple things that they would want to discuss with their provider um, to get a better understanding of what their needs are? I think the biggest thing is asking their provider what markers have been checked and can you have those markers added in like, for instance, making sure fasting glucose, A1C, even a fasting insulin, that is a good starting point. And so making sure that those markers have been checked. I think that's one thing that's incredibly important. Also, 
I'll be honest, it is, it is very important that the provider hears them. Mm-hmm. Because if they're telling them that they're constantly hungry and they're having these cravings and they're just giving them a generic like, well, you know, we'll just, you know, change this or it's just it's just how it is. That's not going to be helpful. They have to have someone that's willing to listen to them. And so I would say advocate for yourself and making sure that they hear you. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're hearing your concerns. Maybe they're not as familiar with insulin resistance and Sadly, you may have to educate for them to understand what it what it is. I know we all understand it, but I do think there's a place we all get into our specialty world mm-hmm. where we focus in over here more than over here. So, again, it's it's OK to say and to advocate for yourself and say, I'm thinking I may have insulin resistance. And will you be willing to look at that for me? Um, so I think those are the things. The biggest thing, too, is anybody can food journal and food log. You can use, there's free apps out there that you can add and just be mindful of what your carb consumption is versus your protein consumption and those healthy fats. Those are two simple things you can do right there. So actually you can do that without even going to a provider and then you can start the process of seeing that. Continuous glucose glucose monitor. Is that over the counter thing? Is that prescribed by a physician? What are those, what does that process look like? They do have to be prescribed. Okay. And I will tell you that if it is not for diabetes, insurance will not cover it. Okay. Um, but you can, you can do that outside of insurance. Some providers are on board with that. Some are not. So it depends on your provider. Okay. No, that's, that's good to know. Cause I actually didn't realize that mm-hmm. I was thinking anybody could get one. So, mm-hmm. um, no, that's good. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Closing us out here. What 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 else? Anything that we missed? Anything you were just dying to talk about? I think that pretty much covers it. The last thing that I, I want to say is if you are feeling defeated and feeling frustrated and you've tried a lot of these lifestyle things, but you've not had these lab tests checked, get them checked. Find out what's going on. Don't just be frustrated and feeling like there's something wrong. A lot of times people feel really defeated at how hungry they feel and the cravings and it feels out of control to them and they don't understand why they never feel full. There is something else going on. And so realizing that it's not, you don't wake up and think, I just want to starve all day. (laughs) It's not, it is a process. It is truly the hormones that are working in our body that something may be off. So seek help, get someone that understands what's going on. And that way you can start to make progress in the right direction instead of feeling defeated. No, I, lo- I love that. Uh, my interpretation for you data nerds out there would be get the, get the data, get the information yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to get a clear right. understanding, especially if you've done the work and you're not seeing the results. Let's get get that clear picture of what's going on and then you can uh, know more to, to, to do better. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for joining us. We do. We are on all major platforms now, so please subscribe to whatever your preferred platform is. We are on YouTube as well, so uh, go on there, and um, you can find us at triedlifestylemedicine.com if you want more information about uh, what we do here. But thanks for listening, and we will see you on the next episode.